copy of your notes. If you don't, there are notes available in the back. You can just get up and go back there and get them. And make sure you also have notes for your children today. Today's an all-church service. We do this once every three weeks where the kids and the adults get together. Imagine that, uh, to worship, to take communion, and to learn together. So I love this time. Uh, I love time spending with children. Uh, the great reformer Martin Luther said, if anybody doesn't love children, they're a dunce and a blockhead because they have despised the blessing of the Lord. Pretty profound. So I, I love kids, uh, and I always look forward to when they're with us here. It's pretty special. We are entering into, I think, the most exciting part of Alpha. We're going to be talking for the next three weeks about the Holy Spirit. Today, who He is. Next Sunday, what He does. And the following Sunday, how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, I've taught Alpha before, and I've seen God use this emphasis, these three messages, in amazing ways. So you do not want to miss them. You want to be here for all three uh, with a sense of anticipation in your heart. God exists as one God in three persons. Do you like a good mystery? You, you like a good mystery? Well, you don't get any more mysterious than this. There is one God. Nothing's more clear in Scripture than that. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. We are monotheists, believing in one God from the very core, from our roots way back in Judaism. But the Scripture also talks about three persons, each being God. It talks about a father who is God. Jesus prayed to his father, God, in heaven. And then it talks about Jesus himself. It's, he said, I and the father are one. If you've seen me, said Jesus, you've seen the father. Wow. And then it talks about the Holy Spirit being God. And we're going to focus on that for these three weeks. So kids, on the very front of your notes... There's a little diagram about the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all in one. You can go ahead and color that in now. Now, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, uh, some, in some cases, He has really been ignored. Uh, we talk a lot about the Father. We talk a lot about the Son. But the Holy Spirit seems to always be mysterious, taking a, maybe a, a smaller place when it comes to speaking about God. I know in many cases he's misunderstood. In the King James Version of the Bible, we call him the Holy Ghost. Uh, that's a great term, but ghost evokes in some people like, whoa, what? You know, uh, I'm not too interested in that. What does that mean? How does that, that work? And in some cases, the Holy Spirit has been resisted because there have been people who have done strange things and said, this is the Holy Spirit. And many of us have seen that and thought, hey, I don't think I want that or need that. And so there's been a resistance to the Holy Spirit. And, and quite frankly, I know that when we speak about the Holy Spirit, some people are nervous about the topic, but you don't have to be. Uh, the Holy Spirit 
wants you to feel his love. You are loved. God loves you. And what the Holy Spirit does is lets you feel God's love. You don't have to be nervous over the next three weeks. But you need to be excited instead because God's going to do something very profound in your life. So we'll talk about the Holy Spirit today, who he is. And we'll learn that if we ignore him, misunderstand him, or resist him, we're the ones who lose out. And we'll see that today. So I'm going to take you through a history of the Holy Spirit from Genesis 1-1 to the end of Revelation. Now check your watches. You're wondering how long I'm going to take. I'll, uh, I'll skip a few verses in the middle, okay? So we can be done by 11 o'clock. But let's take a little quick survey to learn who the Holy Spirit is. Let's start in Genesis 1.1. We learn about the Holy Spirit first in creation. He was involved in creation. Write that in your notes, please. In the very beginning of the Bible, we see the Holy Spirit. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. God created the, the, the basic things of the world, but the Holy Spirit was the one who hovered over the water and brought out of the chaos the cosmos, brought out of deformity beauty, brought out of oldness newness, brought out of confusion harmony. And so right in the very beginning, you see what the Holy Spirit does. He does something beautiful. He takes this thing that's formless and, and, and creates this beauty and this order out of it. And he always does that. When the Holy Spirit comes in our lives, he brings new attitudes, new desires, new ways to worship, new songs. He changes us. You know, Many of us are conservative to the degree we don't really want to change, but deep inside we really do want to change. We want to be more like Jesus. And I'll tell you something. You can't huff and puff and decide, I'm going to be more like Jesus. Good luck. But when the Holy Spirit comes and does that work in us, it's His work. And it's beautiful. So he was involved in creation. And then as you read your Old Testament, you'll see he came upon particular people at particular times to do particular tasks. Now, how did that happen? Well, sometimes it happened where the five senses could, could see it happen. There are times when the Holy Spirit comes upon people that your physical senses can, can, can know it. Remember, a dove descended on Jesus. They heard the, the mighty wind in Acts chapter 2. Uh, so sometimes, but most of the time, you, you don't know the Holy Spirit is coming upon somebody with your physical senses, but you know it inside of your spirit. And he came upon people in the Old Testament in that way. One time he came upon a man, I'll just give you a couple of examples. One time he came upon a man named Gideon. God said, Gideon, I want you to lead an army because these folks, the Midianites, are really trashing Israel. So I'm going to make you a leader, Gideon. Gideon says, no, 
I'm not a leader. I've never been a leader. I'm scared to death. How am I going to do it? And God said, I'm going to do it through you. Here's what the Bible says. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. That's all it says. But as you read the rest of the story, whoa, what happened to Gideon? What happened to this guy who's afraid and doesn't want to lead and thinks he can't do it? Whoa, this guy now is a leader, a judge, an amazing kind of leader. What was the difference? The Spirit of God came upon him. There are many examples in the Old Testament. Later on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson when he was tied up by some of the enemies of Israel. He was helpless, and he was about to become a victim. But it says the Spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax. He could just break them apart. And the bindings dropped from his hands. And so often what happened in the Old Testament in a physical way takes place under the New Covenant in more of a spiritual way. When the Spirit of God comes upon somebody, there can be a breaking of things that kept you bound and kept you uh, lost and, and unable to get free. It happened with Samson. The Spirit of the Lord came upon a man named Isaiah to prophesy, to know what God was doing. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, it says in Isaiah 61, because He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness the prisoners. And Isaiah did some of those things in his life by the power of the Holy Spirit, but he was speaking about another person who was going to come and do that in an amazing way. He was prophesying. He knew what was going to happen in the future. How? The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. So as you read your Old Testament, you say, this is really cool. Spirit of the Lord came upon that guy. Look at the change. Spirit of the Lord came upon that guy. Look at the difference. But it gets even better. Because as you get near the end of the Old Testament, you see the work of the Holy Spirit starting to ramp up. You see something starting to take place that's going to be more intense, more universal. Actually, you see something called the promise of the Father take place. Write that in. It says in Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. In the Old Testament, God gave them laws, and they were wonderful laws. They were a reflection of the holiness of God. Among them, the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother. Don't kill. Don't steal. Laws that reflected an all-holy God and laws that if you lived by them, we would have a better life and a better world. But the people weren't holy. So they had these holy laws to live by. They themselves were unholy, and trying to keep them was like a burden to them. It was so difficult to them. They failed often and were, were overwhelmed with guilt and with a sense of their inadequacy. But God said, okay, now here's what's going to happen. I'm going to put my spirit in you, not on you like has been happening, but actually in you. Whoa. And what's going to happen? You're going to be changed. You're going to want to live a holy life. 
You're going to want to keep what I'm telling you is standards of holiness, and you're going to have the power to do it. What an amazing thing. It's the promise of the Father. So God gave the promise, but hundreds of years went by. The promise didn't come to pass, but it was going to come. If God was building their anticipation, it's going to happen. Hang in there. One day when everything's just right, this is going to take place, my promise. In Joel chapter 2, verse 28, God says, Afterwards I will pour out my Spirit on all people, your sons and your daughters. This is for everybody, regardless of gender. Will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions, regardless of age. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. And then Jesus is about to come. And with the coming of Jesus, this emphasis of the Holy Spirit, this presence of the Holy Spirit starts to intensify. Everybody in the life of Jesus gets filled with the Holy Spirit. Starting with his mother, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, said the angel. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Mary's filled with the Holy Spirit. Her cousin Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. It says when Elizabeth heard Mary's greetings, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then her son, John the Baptist, is filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he links the Holy Spirit with Jesus. He said, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Are you familiar with the word baptize? The word baptize in Greek means to immerse, submerge, get plunged. Kind of like when a ship goes down, it's baptized in the water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine the people thinking, wow, what does that look like? How does that happen? And when it happens, uh, it must be one of the most amazing things I could possibly imagine. Jesus comes. And it says the Holy Spirit descended on him in a bodily form. It says he was full of the Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit. I'd like to give you a little picture. Some of you are older here and you remember when we had these old-fashioned sponges that would dry up if you didn't use them a lot do you remember those and they would get like hard like 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 a, like a rock and they actually you could crack them and break them modern sponges don't do that do they but the old ones did and if you let one dry out desiccate then the outside would get like all hard and you would, you would put water on it, but it would stay hard until you took it and submerged it for a long time. And if you submerged it under the water for a long time, something would start to happen on the outside. And gradually it would soften enough, soften enough that the moisture could get on the inside. It took a while. Because the crust was so hard. But if you left it long enough and you would come back 
It would be full size again. It would be soft again. It would be pliable again. And you could use it again. I'm going to baptize you, God says, with the Holy Spirit. You crusty folks who don't want to be crusty, who don't want to be that way, who don't want to keep living your life like that, I'm going to do something for you that's going to be beautiful. I'm going to submerge you and baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And when I do, you're going to start to soften on the outside. It's going to be beautiful. And then it's going to get on the inside. And you're going to find yourself wanting to do, wanting to live for me. Jesus predicted that the Holy Spirit was going to come. He said, on the last and great day of the feast, Jesus stood with a loud voice, said, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flowing within them. By this, he meant the spirit whom those who uh, believed in him or later to receive because up to that time the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified something had to happen before this sponge filling would take place Jesus had to be glorified he had to die on a cross for our sins and then he had to be resurrected on the third day in a glorified body that would enable the Holy Spirit to live inside of us we who were sinful had to be forgiven, had to be made holy so the Holy Spirit could come and live in us. It was going to happen after Jesus was glorified. So when he came back from the dead, he said this to his disciples, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of the Father, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, and a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You think that was something with Samson? You think that was something with Gideon? You think that was something with Isaiah? You ain't seen nothing yet. In a few days you'll be baptized with power from the Holy Spirit. And you'll be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Can you imagine the anticipation rising in them? They've been reading about this thing that happened with people in the Old Testament. It ha it's happening. Jesus is talking about it. When's it going to happen? Well, he said, go and pray. Go and wait. So they go and wait. It's almost like champagne had been shaken up, and now the cork's going to fly off. Everybody's been looking forward to it. Everybody's been waiting. Everybody's been anticipating thousands of years. And then in Acts chapter 2, verse 2, the cork flies off. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on all of them. All of them, not just one or two. Everybody was baptized in the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And the people watching were amazed. Wouldn't you be? Like, what in the world is happening here? And so they started to try to interpret this supernatural event in a natural way. They said, oh, they're drunk. They didn't know how to explain this thing where they're speaking in other languages that they'd never learned before. And the Holy Spirit was coming in visible ways and they could see these tongues of fire. 
And then Peter said, no, we're not drunk. Let me explain to you what happened. <laughs> this was prophesied in the Bible. This is what was said long ago. I will pour out my spirit on all people. And then he said this. This is for you, the people that were there 2,000 years ago, and for your children and for all who are afar off. That means us, as many as the Lord our God will call. It's for you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, when you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. That's very clear in the Bible. These people had been Christians who were waiting in the upper room. They'd already had the Holy Spirit living in them. Jesus came back from the dead. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. All of them had the Holy Spirit living in them. But Jesus said, go and wait till you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, till you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit if I already have the Holy Spirit within me? It's a tough concept, isn't it? How does that work? Well, I think it works like with a balloon. I'll give you another illustration. You blow up a balloon, and it's filled with air, is it not? But later on, it leaks. And it's still filled with air, but it needs to be filled again. I'm going to fill you, he said. Go and wait. And they go and wait. And when they do, beauty for ashes, creativity, newness, strength, freedom, compassion, living water, all of that comes to pass. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, will have streams of living water flowing from within. Would you like to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I would over and over again. Have I ever been filled with the Holy Spirit? You bet. What happened? Amazing things. What happened later on? I leaked. Like that balloon, I, I leaked. What caused the leaking? Life. Uh, offense. Hurt. Disappointment. I leak. And my prayer on a regular basis is, Lord, fill me again. <laughs> fill me again to overflowing. I know what it's like to live filled with the Holy Spirit. And I know what it's like not to. Lord, I want to live my life filled with you so that I can do what you want me to do. I can be who you want me to be. Lord, do that again and again and again. You're going to talk about that in your groups today. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about what the Holy Spirit does, remarkable things He does through a human's life. And then in two weeks, we're going to set aside time to say, Holy Spirit, come. Fill us again, again, afresh and anew. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's unique when the Holy Spirit fills us, as unique as our own personalities but it's special and it's beautiful. And we'll talk about that in the days to come. So I'd encourage you in your small groups today, open up and talk about your experiences. If talking about the Holy Spirit makes you nervous, talk about why. Because this happened or that. And if talking about the Holy Spirit is something uh, that, that just comes easy to you, just share that. But everybody start to talk. Let's get the... Let's get the uh, 
the elephant out of the room and talk about uh, our experiences with the Holy Spirit and with some people who said this was the Holy Spirit. And, and if you don't know anything about the Holy Spirit, say that as well. But let's start to discuss that today, get our hearts right so that God can do something beautiful in our life during this time.